I try to represent the best of the conversation that we started off in, even if it came with a disagreement, even if it, it started off with someone berating me and then we ended up just talking and then we're cool. I try to allow them to take away like, oh, this person really cares about my position or views or feelings. I want people to understand that we're trying to help share their story. And if, if there's an immediate distrust in that, then, then we failed them. In 1921, an advertising executive by the name of Fred Bernard coined the term, a picture is worth a thousand words. He actually first called it, according to Wikipedia, he said it was 10,000 words. He also made it up completely that it was a Chinese proverb. But the saying stands today that a picture does things that words can't. So what better kind of thing to talk about when it comes to communication and conversation than about pictures? And better than that, uh, I am fortunate today on Tell Me What to Say to have a really, really cool, interesting photographer uh, on the show today. His name is Mason Trinka. And you're going to get to know Mason through some of his stories, which I'm going to do my best to get him to share uh, and he and I are going to explore what taking pictures has to do with conversation. So, Mason, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Where are you sitting right now, Mason? I'm actually sitting in my wife's office, which I'm glad we're not doing a video call because uh, uh, my, my office is a disaster at this point. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I, you look, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be, you know, you, you'd have to uh, look into my life. And I, I was just like, I'll spare him uh, <laughs> spare that, us that. And, and go straight to my wife's office, which is nice and clean and minimal. Nice, nice. What's, <laughs> and you're in, uh, remind me, you're in uh, Portland, San Francisco. It, your, your website shows you work in both. I, I did pre-COVID. Um, I now reside in Portland. Um, Portland is my home now. Um, but I often go down still to this day and down to California. Great. Well, tell us then, if somebody's tuning in, maybe by describing, say, the as a guess, the last 48 hours of your work, we can begin to understand... Um, you know, what it is, what it is that you do. Right. So the last month and a half, I've been, um, I've been covering some of the, the unrest and protests and, uh, up in Portland, um, which has been on the national stage for, it seems like the last month. Um, and so I, I, a typical day, I think, would 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 start with a conversation with our editor. What are the priorities for that day? What are the, some of the things we want to show? Who is working on certain stories? What reporters are on the ground? We really try to approach each day at a kind of a 10,000-foot perspective. And we go from there. And I, I usually just head out the door um, and... As as a photojournalist, my my job is to 
almost be a fly on the wall. And I, a lot of photographers use that terminology, but it truly is kind of just stepping back and allowing these moments to occur in front of you. Oftentimes in, in the Portland protests, it's been, you know, reading the crowds, understanding like where, where's the energy going, where is the anger going and either trying to stay away from that or tried to get into that. Um, this past Saturday just coincidentally had the, uh, we just reached a milestone in the Portland protest, um, reaching the hundredth day. So that had some significance. Um, it was very high energy. Um, and there was a lot of people that were clearly still upset after the hundredth day. Um, and if you were the a first time viewer into the protest, you would, you would have seen this very, very large event and, um, the energy is still in the room. Uh, the energy (laughs) is still in the room means you still feel it. Yeah. The, 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 um, there's this, the Portland event is a very complex, um, event. I, it, it kind of is, it started out with black lives matter with George Floyd's, um, death, it transitioned to federal occupation when feds began, uh, there were reports that feds were, uh, you know, arresting in unmarked vehicles. And since feds have kind of stepped off the streets, uh, the tension has gone back to, uh, local official, local Portland police. And, um, oftentimes, uh, with, the the counter protests with from Patriot Prayer and the Proud Boys, it's been a very much of a clash in the last several weeks between uh, these groups and almost a culture war. Where um, I think our country represents kind of this moment in our country where we we we're not really sure how to have dialogue anymore. And I think it shows in these events where you're, you're standing in the middle of two individuals that have very different views and that are very angry at the system. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting from, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, so let, let's put you, if it's okay, let's put you back into some of those moments where you literally describe two people angry at each other. And I understand that's feels like a bit of a metaphor for the whole thing. Um, where are you in the, in the literally in the, in the map of it all, not only where are you, but how do you make sure you get there? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I I really try to get bring the readers in um, readers, meaning the folks that pick up the New York Times every day. Uh, I really try to bring them into the scene, um, and that means sometimes standing right next to you know situations that might feel dangerous. Um, in this situation, I think there's. I don't, I really don't know. It's, it's very just like I I walk up to people and I make myself known who who I am. And, you know, I just have a, I start off with always a conversation, like, how are you doing? Um, 
like, how are you feeling? Like, what, what are you feeling? Um, I don't try to drill them with the, their political views. I rather try to c- engage and connect on an on a, on emotional level um, because those are real. I, and I, I don't think we don't have to disagree with that. You know, if someone feels a certain way about their, this moment, th- that's totally valid. And I, and I can have a, I can have a real conversation about that with someone. And then, uh, you know, typically people let their guard down and, and then let me be there. Um, yesterday there was a Trump rally with mixed organizations that were involved in this rally. Um, and, uh, one, one organization, the proud boys were involved and we wanted to follow them and they, they eventually did a like another rally in Salem, which w- led to kind of a big, a kind of a standoff between, uh, Antifa crowds and, um, Black Lives Matter crowds and just counter protests. And usually for a kind of a confrontational event like that, I, I try to, I try to pick like one or two people in the crowd that I'm like, I'm very, like, I'm just drawn to. And I go up to them and I have a very simple conversation. Like, how are you doing? Like, why'd you come out here today? Like, what are, what are you feeling today? And and when I, when I do that, I I have a tendency to connect with that individual. I, I have a tendency to, to be able to relate to that individual, even if their political views are so far off from where mine are. I, I try to bring myself into their shoes, into their world and 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 it can be difficult sometimes trust me i mean if if you're talking to a, someone that just believes um something just so radical from you uh and it's in in some ways can be incredibly repulsive and awful um in order for me to do my job effectively i need to be able to kind of step in there and present myself as someone as a person and not necessarily as an organization and it really kind of takes the guard off. If I'm not some, I'm the scary journalist from the times, people are not, you know, people are going to have their opinions. But if I'm, if I'm just a person and I'm standing with you, having a, just a, a general conversation, I have genuine moments with individuals and that leads to better images. Um, even during really intense times, uh, like yesterday, there was a big brawl at right in front of the state capitol at Salem. I think two people were arrested. Both sides had paintball guns, bear sprays, and uh, you know other ballistic. You know, and obviously everyone was uh, uh, the, the the far right were were uh, had a lot of uh, AR-15s and large machine guns. So it, it was very intense, and so I, you know, I, I don't want to like uh, present myself in that fashion where I'm, I'm some, I'm an enemy of sorts. And so I, I, I really tried to make a concerted effort to allow that individual to see me as a person, not as a, not as a scary, you know, organization that, you know, is working against them. Right. Mason, do you, through that process of personalizing, the moment, 
right? What are you here for and all of that? You mentioned that some of the people that you speak to end up having, you know, thoroughly opposing, radical, scary views surrounded by weapons and all the rest. Do you end up feeling different about them, though, by the time you've made the effort? I know they likely see that you're more than just a camera, but how do you end up feeling about them? I guess in short, like I don't, I don't try to, I don't try to mix my personal feelings into this situation. Um, I, I, I might have my opinions, um, but my job is to listen. It's not to sort of inject my personal views or my beliefs. Um, my job as a journalist is to sit there and listen and watch and, and document. It's not to, and oftentimes it, 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 that can mean someone just yelling at me for 30 minutes and berate me and belittle me. Um, that's fine. Uh, it, I have to just be there to stand up and, and take that. What are they, and, what are they, uh, what are they saying? What's the, <laughs> here's one. What's the conversation like when someone is, yelling and berating at you for 30 minutes what are they what are they claiming but it, it's usually off of a personal experience um you know i had a I, i'm not even sure how to what organization with him that he was with um he was a navy vet that was you know armed to the teeth um and he came out to defend and protect um, citizens of the, the country. And he came up to us, me and Mike Baker, uh, the New York Times reporter that has been working this with me, and talked about his frustration with the system, his frustration with organizations that are, you know, fueling this sort of you know, discourse in America, you know, I'm, I may not, I'm not, obviously I don't agree with that. I think the times does a, as best of a job it can. I think the times is definitely not perfect by any means, but you know, when outlandish sort of claims are made, uh, it really just stems from a personal and it, it just personal frustration really. And, yeah. and, and that's, and that's genuine. That's really genuine to, to have those sort of things. And he eventually turned kind of his, his sort of conversation turned to his experience and, you know, how that experience validates that sort of viewpoint. And, and when it comes to that point, we can have that discussion. Like I, I can now have discussions like, where did you serve? Um, what, you know, uh, Mike and I were trying to engage on that front to allow him to express his, uh, you know, opinions and, and his views. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of dialogue is important, whether, whether or not he wants to, you know, call us fake news or, you know, that we're causing all this issue right now. I mean, I, when, if we can get to the point where we can have a, a, a conversation as, as individuals, I think that's where the, that's where our work can start, really, and and we can we can we can really try to have that dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I mean, oftentimes people that draw out to these groups have very extreme views, very strong opinions, um, and 
sometimes, sometimes it's not worth uh, engaging in that dialogue. Sometimes it's just there to listen and observe. Yeah. And that's tough. And, and trust me, I, I don't like my opinions about that person or individual yeah, it needs to almost be shoved down into a dark box because it's not, it's not, it's not important in this moment. And <laughs> at, that, at that point or at any of these points is these, uh, as these moments go on and you're standing there with your reporter colleague, and this comes from someone who does not, obviously I'm not a, my, my daughter's a pretty good photo- photographer, but, but I'm not one, but how do you know when to take the picture? It's pretty simple. I, I, I'm always striking a conversation and then I ask, I just simply ask. Mm. There, there are moments that are, don't, I don't have to warrant. I don't have to feel like I, I if I'm standing on public grounds and the individual's on public grounds and I'm not impeding on anything, I, I, I know I have the right to do so. But that, to, to really get someone engaged in the photo, you have to, it's, it's almost a collaboration. They're, they're giving you something and you're taking away from something. Mm-hmm. So in I, my perspective in reality is to allow this sort of collaboration. And, I, and, and it just starts with a simple question. Like, can I take your photo? Um, are you okay with me, you know, taking a picture of you? Um, I never go up to someone and just start photographing them. Oh, that's no. just not how I approach my work. I don't think that's fair for the individual. I think if you understood what was going on the ground, where, you know, federal agents were looking, you know, trying to, you know, recently in Seattle, they, the Seattle police subpoenaed the Seattle times and it sparked this sort of, you know, precedent with, you know, newspapers across the country that the state and local and federal uh, jurisdiction can now just call through images to, you know, arrest people for, you know, illegal activities or whatever that happens on the streets during protests. And, and that's a really dangerous thing. And so the, the, the trust is already very on thin ice and, and to have something like that happen was really intense. And that happened right in the middle of this coverage. And so we were very cognitive that people were very, very sensitive of having, you know, their face shown and having images blurred, like that sort of thing is like, I can't allow myself to change and manipulate imagery because that's just ethically speaking, not allowed in photojournalism. Mm. But I can at least be like, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I can compromise on this point. Like I can try to collaborate with you. And, um, but th- obviously there's moments that are just warranted that are too big for that. And I have to make that call. Um, so oftentimes I'm, I, it's a, combination of that both where i i'm i'm going out of the way just to make this call that this moment is important and i don't care if it you know the repercussions of it when um it sounds like you take or correct me but in a like yesterday or whatever it was are they mostly pictures of individuals that you're in conversation with or do you step back and try to take a a wider shot. I don't know what else to call it. Right. Or do you focus on people? I, I want people to understand the, the, the event. And if that means everything you just described, then yes, I'm, I'm capturing kind of textures 
uh, atmosphere, this sort of sense of anger and anxiety. Um, and, and oftentimes you're filling that with moments that are not of people, but of scenes and uh, objects and uh, colors and sounds. Uh, it, it sounds cliche, but it, it really, in order to be an effective journalist, those sort of imagery have to play into uh, a larger, into the larger sensory of you viewing it, right? Yeah. Kind of inject that that sort of view of if you were standing there, this is what it would look like. Got it. When you're back to the people for a second, when you're going through this this listening process and talking to them, and at most points, just even though you don't need the permission, it sounds like you you're very um, respectful uh, in this in this interaction, and it sounds like it has. Uh, to, to mostly good benefit. Um, do you ever think about how you want them to feel by being a subject of your photos? Yeah. I mean, when I worked in small newspapers, it sure did. Um, cause I'd go at home at the end of the day and the guy would be my neighbor. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in a national event, um, I think it's fair to say that I, I try to represent like the best of, you know, the conversation that we started off in, even if it came with a disagreement or right. even if it, it started off with someone berating me and then we ended up just talking and then we're cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I try to, I try to keep it, um, allow them to take away like, Oh, this person really cares about my, my position or views or feelings. Um, and I, I really want that to be the case. I, I don't, that's a, that's a bad look on, on the times as a representative of the times working for them. I mean, I want, I want people to understand that we're trying to help share their story. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's a, an immediately distrust in that, then, then we failed them, you know, I, I, get, I go back to this like collaborating effort. We, like we're, we're both collaborating to tell your story to the world, right? If, if the world doesn't know about these moments, then we, we, we effectively are not, you know, being able to send out our message. Mm. Uh, so I hope, I hope people come away with our conversations in, in a positive sense, at mm. least of respect, right? Yeah. Do you find a difference uh, how the interaction feels between the left and the right? I mean, leaving the politics out of it, are they, do they strike you as more similar types of people or, excuse the pun, the radi- radically different from each other? They all have kind of fundamentals, uh, similarities in a, in a way. Um, I think if we're just talking about the so-called like Antifa uh, and let's say Proud Boys, um, yeah, I would say they have a very f- similar sort of like assessment of the system, uh, assessment of media, and uh, uh. and that's. Um, I mean, most people, if they, if they had a conversation with both of them, they, they would be. Um, surprised about how similar they are. <laughs> I was going to say what a, what a conversation could teach, right? Um, I really wonder if you could take, you know, two sides of one question, right? One is, you know, what about 
what about the work do you most love? And what about the work, to use the easy popular term, what part of the work sucks the most? Um, I think, I think right off the bat, I, I started in the photography because I wanted to learn from people and learn from their stories. I think just stories are so fascinating and we oftentimes don't understand the power of that. So for me, storytelling is, is the fundamental of like why I do photography. Mm. It truly is just an incredible, powerful tool that, that I can use to share someone's uh, story as well. Right. Um, the obvious things that suck are, are pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, sometimes there are assignments and jobs I don't want to do or take. And I, I, you know, that can be really challenging if I have to photograph someone that's, you know, that died. Uh, that's not something I like to do, but if it warrants the moment in the story and, if the story is bigger than, than, than anything, it, it sometimes has to be done. And oftentimes I don't like doing that because it's, it really messes with you. Hmm. Um, in what, in what way? Oftentimes after an event like this, I'll just, I'll really want to just curl in bed and not talk to anyone or see anyone, or hmm. I don't really have a, a sense of hope that the world is prepared to take on these sort of like hard questions within its society. Um, is that how you feel today? I don't know. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, you know, I was about to actually drive down to California and cover some of the wildfires that are happening. Um, (laughs) and there are moments in those instances where there's really beautiful, like out of kind of these trap, you know, catastrophic events, there are moments of real beauty and, uh, community and love that those, those sort of are reasons why I, I, I don't feel that way. I've seen moments where like we've, we've come from these very dark moments in our history and our times in certain events, and we've come away with uh, a better society, a better community uh, better as individuals. And so I, I hope I, I, I'm more positive in the sense, but I do have this sort of underlying, like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was going to try to be pithy here at the, as we begin to conclude and, you know, does this leave you really you, you more than at least anybody I know. Um, and I've now known you for this little bit, you're closer to the reality of all of this, the real feelings, the real emotions, aside from your empathy and your attempts to absorb it all and then translate it onto film. My point is, for somebody as close to it, do you find yourself at the end of it leaning toward optimism? Toward, and I mean real optimism, not bullshit, it's all going to be fine. But they say the real optimists know that tomorrow's another day, right? Uh, a chance to make a difference and make things better. Are you leaning that way, or are there days maybe like this where you go, where you are on the hopeless side? 
people want to uh, have a better society, a better life in a better country, right? Everyone wants, I think society wants that. It's not whether I feel this way. I, I, I think I know as a fact that when I do have the conversations, there, there, there are people that want good to happen in this world. Um, and I, I try to kind of fall back on that, that, yeah. that everyone is, is may disagree and may not, um, understand each other, but fundamentally they're doing it because they, they love their family. They love their community or their country. Right. Yeah. It goes back then to, um, you know, to they both, they both are more similar than they are different. And what's missing, at least from what I hear from you, what's missing is a bunch of Mason Trinkas walking around inside the, <laughs> inside the, 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 the unrest. Um, and I'm going to get flack for saying that, trust me. I mean, I, I, think, <laughs> I think that there are, certain, there are certain evils to both sides of the coin yeah. as well. And, and I, I want to make that clear. It's not that one is better over the other and that I stand for this or that. I think it's very clear to say that Think about the larger, the larger audience, not these sort of like extremist point of views. And we just, rather than just like, let's just think about it as our neighbor. We're talking to our neighbor, right? Right. I want people to understand that like when, when you're out in your community, that you're, you're just, it's important to have these sort of fundamental ideas about conversation with people, because if without it, we don't we don't understand that person's view and i i do have the benefit of doubt that people want to understand and be you know good people but i also want to be clear about like there are inherent evils in the world um and i i fundamentally the reason why i i i do what i do is to is to show that too right it, and and make allow for people to come to their own conclusions about what they're seeing. Well, you've um, you've offered the at least at least from my world, you've offered a a glimpse of a solution, uh, as the saying goes, from 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 your mouth to God's ears, or wherever you you send your best words is it's listening. Right. Um, I wonder how much listening is going on in those moments of disagreement of anger than the ones that you're engaging in sure Prob we don't see it as a widespread phenomena inside of riots and unrest and disagreement and even peaceful protests that's the that's the that's the bridge yet still to cross and um your stories today have been i've done this for a long time i've listened to a lot of people about a lot of conversations and um, I, I just am super appreciative, not only of you taking the time to walk us through what seems to be very deeply genuine and somewhat difficult feelings, um, but I also want to thank you for your work. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a reader of the Times. I've seen your work, um, and it helps. It helps get a sense of, of, of what's going on and being able to see it uh, through your efforts and everybody else. So, yeah, so well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. In the yeah. end, it's, this is my, now my community. And so I, I, I feel part that I have to play in, in, in this moment in history. So, yes. 
and just keep doing it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Mason, thank you. And, uh, and, uh, stay tuned and we'll keep, we'll keep looking at the, uh, at the work to come. All right. Thanks. Thanks.